the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The dismantling of the Diamondbacks has begun. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Derek Montilla with me this week. No bear. He decided to take the week off and went know, on a vacation. Travel the world or something. What? Get out of here. We don't need him. We're in the middle of a of a Suns playoff run, and he's off going somewhere else. What are you doing? Oh, Bad don't time. worry. He had plenty of time to watch the Suns, just not to talk to us about the Diamondbacks. Correct. Honestly, I don't know who would want to talk about the Diamondbacks right now, but it's kind of our job. So yeah, that's we'll what do we it. do on this show. And hey, you know what? Things are bad, but at least at least they're really bad, Steve. At least they're really, yeah, you, you'd really bad. You'd rather be really bad than in the middle. I think so. I think that you want your team to acknowledge how bad it is instead of floundering in that mediocrity of five or six games below 500 and you know yeah. three third place or fourth place in the division. Uh, to lose is to lose, right? To, to not make the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you what record you had, really, at the end of the day. True. I know fans aren't happy. I know that this particular team does not have a diehard fan base anymore that you know comes out, supports them, win or lose. I think they used to have that. I don't think that they supported their diehard fan base properly. That's a completely hot take from me, but I don't think that they supported it the way other teams embrace and support their diehard fans. Uh, the Phoenix Rising is a perfect example. Uh, they have a they're our local soccer team. If you're you're unfamiliar, and they just have a dedicated fan base that the team loves and supports and takes pictures of and posts and lets them bring all sorts of smoke bombs and fireworks and all sorts of crazy stuff to let off when they score a goal. It's fun and it's cool to be a part of a movement like that where the team is behind you so much. I don't think the Diamondbacks showed that same support, and I don't think that the fans. You know, especially some of their their diehard fan you know groups uh, felt that support, and I don't think that they're. It's a big reason why they don't have fans coming out even when they're this bad. Well, it's a chicken or the egg thing. Are there no fans because the team is horrible, or is the team guilty of this because they don't support the fans when they have them? I mean, it's like a it goes both ways. I I guess I think they've always done right by the fans in the aspect that they've made uh, the experience at the ballpark inexpensive, and they've made it. affordable for people it's a to good come out. fan experience right um just I, not a good team on the field i have heard people saying that ticket prices are still pretty high considering how bad the team is i know at one point oh they should be paying us at this point i mean to go to they, diamondbacks they've ran in the past some great promotions where you could buy like a month's worth of tickets for like you know 50 bucks or something like that i know a friend of mine got it and he just loved it because he would come and go to like the one of the bar patio areas yeah. that you can like sit in and remember and hang they did out. the summer pass. The summer pass, that's what. Yeah, you yeah, did. yeah. So I, I over think, like two months, it was like uh, less than a hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, if if you're asking me, that kind of stuff needs to come back right now in order just to have the fans, you know, feel like they should come out. Let's be honest, the Phoenix Suns right now are taking a lot of the heat off of the Diamondbacks. It's easy right now for people to forget how bad this team is. With not even excited. the heat. The attention. The attention, right. Yeah, that's because what I mean Because there's no heat, heat on the... Yeah, I just mean, I mean like... I see what you did there. The heat, the, the suns. Heat, the heat, yeah, you know, I get it. I, I did, I did it's a on fire. Thing. Right. I get it. Uh, but there would be more attention on the losing, I think. I think people already are well aware of how bad this team is and how much they've lost, but I think at this point, they've kind of been able to fly under the radar because sports-wise, our, our, our sports hopes and dreams are being fulfilled right now by the suns. It makes it easy for the Diamondbacks to be as, you know ridiculously bad as they are and not have more people just furious about it more people calling for Lavolo to be fired more people calling for changes within the organization yeah i mean 
it is what it is right now for the Diamondbacks. The trade deadline is 30 days away. We're July 1st today, t- trade deadline's on the 30th. We'll probably see, like you said, the dismantling of this team over the next 30 days slowly. The you know upper managed ownership has said that they believe this team is still a contender and that they're you know they've experienced <laughs> which is indefensible <laughs> come on shut come up on. let me finish no I, it's I, not I was trying not to laugh and you made me laugh i had to i uh, couldn't, couldn't I was, listen to you say it without a i straight was face. trying uh they they've said i think their feeling is that there's no need to scrape the 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 you know the field down to the dirt level and start over you know what i mean i don't feel well like, that's good because they have turf now Oh, well. Sorry, you were using a metaphor? It was a metaphorical (laughs) thing, but I'm glad they have turned. Okay. Uh, I think that that's a big part of what we'll probably see over the next month is is some of these veteran contracts maybe that they picked up that were like a year long possibly you know any anybody whose contract is maybe up at the end of the season I wouldn't be surprised from them moving on uh you know the breaking news is that today they traded Tim LaCastro to the New York Yankees yeah let's not bury the lead Tim LaCastro by the way this season um hitting 178 271 on base 220 this is slugging. Ugh. Just terrible numbers for Tim LeCastro this season. Especially on base percentage, right? Because that's what LeCastro does. He's a gamer. He's one of well, those guys that gets on base and he finds a way on base. That's not a bad on base percentage for a guy who's hitting 178. That's correct. To get on base 271. I mean, that's a 100 points difference. Yeah. But the problem is he's hitting 178. Right. You know, if he was hitting the ball and getting on base from hits... That'd be one thing. He's still getting on by getting hit by pitches, which is what he does best. And I don't so understand. I don't understand that as a skill, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, and he's still walking, so he brings that value. But when you're hitting 178, it, it doesn't do anything for you because it still looks terrible. Um, they traded him to the New York Yankees. So I would estimate that the Yankees will likely use him as a utility guy, pinch runner. It's what he's best at. It's just weird because the Yankees are so bad this season as well that they, they think I, they're contending though. i don't understand what the acquisition of of someone like lacastro is for them they traded to the diamondbacks keegan curtis who's a double uh, a reliever he has a one and one record with two saves this season and a 3.94 era 27 strikeouts I like where he's at. It sounds, you know, I was looking over some of his career numbers. He looks like a solid pitcher, and he fits kind of the timeline of what we were talking about. But he's he fits... a 25-year-old double-A relief pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, those are, I, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, and I'm not saying that you should have gotten, like, a lot for Tim LaCastro, like I mentioned, hitting 178. But I, I think that's what it's kind of, I, I think that's what we're going to see. I think that's the kind of return that we're going to see the Diamondbacks get. Hopefully it's a little bit higher up in the organization as far as prospects go, and maybe younger would be a little bit nicer. I think that they're just going to be going for that rebuild of this team two years down the road kind of deal, and it's going to involve a lot of the guys that are on the main roster now getting traded for minor leaguers. I just don't know how they're going to pull it off, considering that right now they don't have the roster to field a full team. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest problem. So what do you? Who do you play after you trade them? Who all? do you play after you trade guys? You can't continue trading for prospects and minor leaguers that aren't going to come up and play at a major league level when you're already so absolutely scarce as far as your right. as your as your depth. We're going to be the Marlins of last season when they all got COVID. Yeah. And they were digging in the bottom of the barrel trying to find people who are capable of playing baseball. You know what I do like actually about this trade. Um, just from the brief amount of looking at this guy that I've done, uh, Keegan Curtis, the pitcher that they got in return, 
it's all in the minor leagues, so take that with a grain of salt. And they didn't even have the minor league season last year, so this is just the season we're looking at. But you mentioned the 27 strikeouts, I think it was, in 16 innings. Yeah. He's striking out 15 guys per nine. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's something there, at least positive, to take away from this. Still giving up runs, but, I and, mean... And you're still giving up someone like LeCastro, who is is playing, maybe not well, but is playing at a major league level. You never He's know. also the fastest player in baseball. Right. I think most people agree with that. Now, Cody uh, messaged us, and, and I think he felt like LeCastro was only uh, underutilized on this team. And I don't know, I, I think you feel differently based on the numbers and his performance that obviously he wasn't hitting the cover off the ball to warrant him being out there more often. Uh, but I, I can kind of see where Bear's coming from. At times, he did seem like such a good player, like such a guy that was going to score winning runs and, and do things that were different. You know, sometimes this team, when you look at their lackadaisical, lackadaisical approach at the plate, you see a lot of them just kind of going up there and going through the motions, it feels like. It feels like they feel they, they look like they feel defeated before they even get at the plate. I think I'd never seen LaCastro do that. He's always been the kind of guy that gets up at the plate and feels like he's going to do something special with this at bat in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I feel like Varsho is a guy like that. I just don't feel like this team has enough of that when you compare it to other teams, teams we play, teams that we struggle with because they always have someone, uh, you know, like Justin Turner, who always finds a way against us in some way. Yeah. Even when he hits the most outrageously out of the strike zone, you know, cutter or curveball or something for a double or a home run or, you know, you just throw your hands up. You can't be mad at it. They just find a way to score runs and win, and I don't think this team has enough of those guys. I think my thing with LeCastro is that, in my mind, he's a really good fifth outfielder to have on your bench that can also just come in and pinch run at the end of a game. Like, you're tied going into the eighth or ninth, or maybe you're down by one, like you just need that run and somebody walks, somebody gets a single. You replace him with LeCastro, he swipes two bags, you knock him in, and then you take him out. Or even, and that's his role. Or, I mean, honestly, he's good defensively, so he's one of those right. guys you can also just leave in and you not have to worry about. You can keep him in, double about, switch yeah, him. do a double switch or whatever. I think he's great for that. The problem is, when you're on the Arizona Diamondbacks, as bad as they've been this season, as hurt as they've been this season, because they were without Cattell Marte for a time, and now it looks like they kind of are again, uh, Cole Calhoun being out as long as he's been out, uh, and then even other some of the backups have... have suffered injuries or like Nick Heath didn't work out all that well and he's been up and down and all these different things so LaCastro it kind of looked to me like maybe he seemed to deserve more opportunity because of those things but he didn't earn it correct in my opinion yeah I can't argue especially that. looking at the numbers from this season last season he was actually quite good but it was such a small sample size that you you just can't extrapolate that and right. say, this guy deserves a chance to be a starting outfielder. He didn't in Arizona, and there was plenty of opportunity in Arizona. He just didn't take advantage of it. And I think he's great in that fifth outfielder role, or that pinch runner role. It's just that not a lot of teams contend to the degree that they would want that guy 
on their bench. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the Yankees are planning on doing with them either. But uh, that, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing for me is like they. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe the Yankees have so many superstars, so many big names, so many sluggers and guys that they were expecting to do well that they figure someone like LeCastro can be that valuable guy that you're talking about. You know, when when they turn things around. Uh, you know, even with talking about how bad the Yankees are, they're still forty-one and thirty-nine, so they're not yeah. like they're out of it. What they a are, world that would be! They right are now. by no means the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're no. just hovering around that mediocrity that we were talking about that makes people still dissatisfied with the team, despite the fact that they're not nearly as bad as people make the Yankees out to be. Well, and good for Mike Hazen or whoever pulled this trade off. I guess Hazen gets the credit for all those things. Credit to them for finding somebody who was a suitor for Tim LaCastro because that's a pretty niche role yeah, that's that true. he plays. If he's not going to be a starting outfielder, which he won't be anywhere, I don't think, at this point in time. Maybe in the future, I hope so, but certainly hasn't earned it yet. Kudos to them for finding a trade partner that would take Tim LaCastro. And, and I don't know that you got much in return. I don't think that this guy, uh, Curtis, is going gonna, is gonna to be all that special, but... If he keeps striking out 11, 12 guys per nine, he could end up in the major leagues. And then that's all you need is an opportunity. So it, it's, I don't kind know. Of, it's kind of like what you said. They they, they really just are, are trying to find something, I guess, special, you could say. I guess something, you know, like trying to really just dig into numbers and find somebody that they can, um, you know, b- might be that diamond in the rough. Yeah, if you're not going to get an A-list prospect, which you never were going to get for Tim LaCastro, and quite honestly, you might not get for any of their other players, if you're not going to get that, then you might as well get somebody who does one thing really, really well. Maybe they're maybe they're left-handed, or maybe they throw 100 miles an hour, or maybe they have a knuckleball, maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they strike guys out 15 times per nine, which is insane, but they give up some runs. So it looks to me like they went out and found a prospect who's middle a middle range prospect, maybe mid to low ranked because he's 25 and he's still in Double A. He was drafted in 2018, by the way. So I don't know if we're going to see him right away. I, I I highly doubt we'll see him at all, to be honest, this season. But I could be wrong on that. They're always going to need arms. Um, over the last couple of days, Diamondbacks swept. In four against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, (laughs) Can't say that I'm surprised. I did see the tweet, I think from the Cardinals, or maybe a radio station in St. Louis, that basically said, bust out the brooms for this sweep. And I was like... Do you really get to celebrate it when it's the Diamondbacks? You know, you know, I don't know. You know, one thing that I find embarrassing is whenever I see the MLB tweet about who the hot team is that week. Oh yeah, it's always who the Diamondbacks are playing. Yeah, because whoever comes off of playing them is like on a three game, you know, on a, on a three game winning streak. Likely, so, yeah. you know, if they can roll into the next series, or if they come off two wins in the previous series, then next thing you know, they're like. The Cardinals are red hot, winners of seven straight. It's like, yeah, but right. four of those were against the Diamondbacks. Come right. on. Or at least in this case, three. Um, one kind of interesting storyline that I was picking up on while they were playing the Cardinals is obviously the Diamondbacks have a little bit of interesting trade history with the Cardinals in that they traded their one of their best franchise players, Paul Goldschmidt, to the Cardinals. Um, obviously, that was the Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, Andy Young, or excuse me, Andrew Young. Andrew deal. Young. Um, did you see anything interesting in the Paul Goldschmidt conversation there? Because he hasn't been great since being traded to St. Louis. I heard somebody say just yesterday that he might not even be a top 15 first baseman in baseball right now. 
I don't know how you feel about that, but it was kind of interesting to see the Diamondbacks face off against their former star. I can't help but continue to compare, you know, things to Paul Goldschmidt. I can't. I wish I could. I wish I could get away from that whole thing of, you know, making what Carson Kelly does and what Luke Weaver does relevant in regards to Paul Goldschmidt. I think that the Diamondbacks were smart not to re-sign him. I say that because look at the team he would be on right now if they had. Right? I'm just saying. They wouldn't have even been able to afford anything else. That's my point. And there's that. Not that they paid much for anything anyway. Well, but you get where I'm coming at, right? Like this is not one of those situations where all we are missing is Paul Goldschmidt. Man, if we had a super slugging first baseman, we could really support this amazing pitching staff that we have right now or whatever you would want to say about this team. You weren't a Paul Goldschmidt away from contending. Essentially. But the Cardinals were. At the time of that deal. I'll say the Cardinals are a much better fit for Paul Goldschmidt based on knowing him as a person. I got to spend my initial five seasons of covering this team around this guy all the time. And the one thing I noticed is he hated, I think he hated the attention. I think a lot of people would say that. I think a lot of people say would say he wasn't a big fan of talking to the media after the game. Yet based on his performance, he was typically a top candidate for who we wanted to speak to in, in the postgame scrum. He just never wanted to be that standout leader kind of guy. He just wanted to let his his performance do the talking for him. He never wanted to be a vocal leader of the team. He just wanted to do his thing. Now, I've heard a lot of things because we as media don't ever get to see really how these guys are in the clubhouse behind closed doors. We just get to see the way they act when we're around, being very careful not to say or do anything that might get some sort of story made into it or anything like that, right? Uh, but I'll say that St. Louis is a much more comfortable place, I bet, for somebody like him. Sure. You know, and, uh, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to have those same years that he had here, but there he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to carry the team. He doesn't need to feel that responsibility. Is he still a top 15 first baseman in baseball? I don't know. Which would put him in the top half of starting first baseman. I would say probably, but I will say that there was, for me, and I'm sure there's verifiable facts to prove me dead wrong on this. For me, I always watched Paul Goldschmidt step up in a big situation and not always be that guy, that clutch guy. He could have, you know, awesome nights. He could have big nights, multiple home runs, ton of RBI, all of that. I just can't tell you how many times I've seen Paul Goldschmidt at the plate in the ninth inning with the game on the line, maybe one on, down by one, you know, a home run or a big hit would tie it up or or win the game and he'd strike out. Uh I I I in the back of my head, I started to feel this sense that he wasn't like that clutch guy. But again, that's why St. Louis will probably be a better fit for him. I just don't know if I'd rank him in the top, you know, for for first baseman. He was always really good defensively. You know, he was a gold glover. So I, yeah. I think there's a, a combination of factors there that says he is probably still in the top 15. But. He's still more. He's definitely in the top 15 most talented first baseman. But in terms of production... I just don't know if the numbers are there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you consider his salary, I guess that opens up the conversation a bit more. And that's the thing is I think baseball is like that. I think baseball is wild that you can pay somebody that hits 10 batting points lower and maybe like 10 home runs on the season less and 20 RBI less, but you'll have to pay guy A $12 million a year and guy B, you could pay... Five hundred and fifty thousand. Well, the system in baseball is totally weird in that, uh, you know, 
Christian Walker in his first season with the Diamondbacks basically filling the shoes left open by Paul Goldschmidt. Comparable numbers. He had comparable numbers, and they paid him, what, 530000 I think was the (laughs) minimum that year? That's exactly what I was thinking of when I pulled those numbers, my friend. Yeah, and Goldie (laughs) was making $25 So, you know, you were paying him a 50th of what you were paying, would have paid Goldschmidt for comparable numbers. Because in baseball, you just don't make money in your first six years. And it's not just Unless like, you're a legendary player. Sure, unless you have Unless you're Mike hype. Trout and they're like, you know what, we should, probably, we should probably slide him some dollars so he decides to stay in four years. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting conversation. How about uh, Diamondbacks outfielder Cole Calhoun suffered a setback while rehabbing. He's on the 60 day, so we already know that it was going to be a while before we saw Cole Calhoun. But it looked like there was some positive news from Tori Lovello, and then a day later, some not great news. Suffered a setback during his rehab assignment in AAA Reno on Tuesday. He was trying to avoid being hit by a pitch when he tweaked his hamstring. Uh... How do you digest this news? I mean, it's not good, certainly, but the Diamondbacks, like you mentioned, are going to need players if they're going to strip down this organization. Yeah, I I don't know. He was already on the 60-day. He seemed to be progressing nicely based on Lavolo's weekly kind of updates on, on the injured players. I, I think that now I'm kind of numb to it, to be honest. I'm numb as both a reporter and a fan of the team to the injuries. None of it surprises me anymore. Sometimes I even have a hard time realizing a story like you just read is relevant because I was like, yeah, when were we going to get him back anyway? Out of sight, out of mind, I, kind as, of. Right, yeah, it would be much different if he'd come back. If he was on the 10-day IL and came back and now it's... Or if we were expecting him back tomorrow or Wednesday this week, and right. then they come out Tuesday and say, ooh, setback. I mean, look what happened with Marte. Look at his hamstrings. Look at how... Uh, I mean, look how valuable somebody like that is, and look at how he's falling apart this season. I don't see any reason to rush Marte back. Is that evidence that they did rush him back mistakenly, or is it just a fluky thing? I don't know, because I'm I guess not, you can never really know. I'm not a doctor, and it was the opposite hamstring that he hurt the second time. Right, true. So I don't know if it's... Because uh, sometimes injuries cause a compensating factor. There is like, you know, I if I if I if I tweak my left ankle, next thing I know, my right knee is the next thing to go because now I'm running funny or something when I'm doing exercise or yeah. whatever. I mean, like so it's like sometimes be based on the compensation that you don't feel right and on one leg you're you're kind of leaning more even if you don't know you're doing it, you know, you're kind of limping but it's not a real limp, you're just putting a little bit more on the right leg than right. you are on the left because the left hurts. It's like on a plane something goes wrong in the left engine, all of a sudden the right one has to pick up the slack. Yeah, correct. You know, right. and right. you might be putting more stress on it, but, you know, overcompensation to keep the plane flying. And I mean it was a the the one where he hit a ground rule double and kind of slowly turned first and still seemed to hurt. I mean obviously he probably did something on that initial, you know, that initial burst out of the out of the batter's box, but uh you know, that one just looked weird and fluky that he came around at such a slow pace knowing that it was a ground rule double and then he still seemed to to tweak it while while the slowing down and everything was happening again the slowing down might have been because of the injury I don't want to see Marte back out there until he's a hundred percent and I don't see a reason why they're not winning with him they're not winning you know without him so just give one of the best players in your organization some time to heal who cares about how many more they lose at this point yeah I, I think that this team could continue to be historically bad. 
and no one would even care at this point. We've set records. We set the road losing streak. We set the franchise losing streak. Uh, we've had multiple 10-plus game losing streaks this season, almost Oof. back-to-back. We've you had know. the number one pick before, by the way, right in Arizona. So it's not like some precedent we haven't set. Right. I think that, and then we immediately traded him to the Braves. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like the problem here is is that I don't know when where you get the help. I don't for know starting pitching. I don't know where you get. It's to, not in the minors, is it? I don't know. I mean, Corbin you start Martin, bringing up prospects that are, that we haven't been hearing a lot about the Slade Sacconi or uh, you know like a Tommy Henry or. Well, even some of their hot young prospects like J.B. Bukowskis got hurt this season. You know what right. I mean? So it's like guys that and they came were using up him and, out of the pen, right? And he was doing an excellent job. It's, I, I it's it's frustrating for us doing the show to talk about this. Like you said at the beginning of the show, uh, I can only imagine how frustrating it is for everybody in the organization that makes these decisions. I know it's frustrating for the players to lose and for Lavello to be dealt the, the hand he's been dealt. I can only imagine how frustrating it is for Hazen and upper management, the way that everything in every conceivable way is falling apart. Uh, the only thing that's good is, is whatever's happening in Reno. Like, it seems like I always see these good things coming out of Reno. You know, the, the guys that are there are always playing well. They're, Josh Van Meter was hitting the cover off the ball in, in Reno, you know, but then he came up and went right back to not being able to do anything at the plate. One bright spot. In the minor leagues. Don't think he's in Reno. I think he's in double A. Alec Thomas, outfield prospect for the Diamondbacks, has been named to the 2021 MLB Futures game. That's the game where they have the world team, the U.S. team, and they play against each other, and it's all the best prospects in baseball. Um, He is the sole representative from the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe. So Alec Thomas making it into the game is interesting. He's a center fielder. (laughs) What's funny is three of their best prospects are all center fielders. But if they all play together, they might end up playing different spots. But he uh, is kind of a contact guy, great approach at the plate. Um, He's got some speed. I think he could end up in left field, but he could definitely stick in center. Now, what's interesting about this is I think that the Diamondbacks have at least two other prospects that could have made the Futures game had one of them not been injured for the entire season and the other one having legal troubles that are keeping him out of the country. Um, it's so bad. It's so bad. This is the darkest timeline. Because well, because we talked about Mike Hazen. You get judged on two things when you're a front office. It's production at the major league level, which has been terrible during the Hazen administ- administration. You know what I mean? Era. Era. Regime is the other word for that's, that. That's my favorite word. Uh, and also, you get judged on how the farm system is built, and they've done that pretty well. I don't think it's top five right now, but it might be in the top ten farm systems but the problem is when your top two prospects are not playing and there was no minor league season last year so that's basically two seasons lost from your best prospects all of a sudden that farm system doesn't look all that impressive at all it doesn't it doesn't but alec thomas like you said is is doing good this year he's he's a big contact guy uh slugging percentage almost 500 i'll take it you know uh playing for the amarillo sod poodles by the The way sod poodles love it love that team love that team too it's, almost, it's better than the Reno Aces. Yeah. Almost as good as the Hillsborough Hops. I don't know I like the that. Hillsborough Hops. <laughs> that's, that's number one. <laughs> Their logo is delightful. So, I mean, like, I don't know that you're turning on the MLB Futures game to watch Alec Thomas play. I yeah. don't know that it rises to that level, but it's, uh, you know, one good thing that's happening for the Arizona Diamondbacks because I can't find any others. I just wonder if promotion is such a big part of that. MLB easily has the least interesting 
farm system, young player development. Every other sport gets those guys in there in the first season, the exciting young players. Yeah, that's true. Baseball in general is just slower with the development and different. I think they do do better with development than the other leagues do in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, because they're not rushing guys out there to help the team win right Right. away, right? They're more concerned a lot of time about the long-term... Uh, production of of this player as as a you know major league player and getting them adapted to the system and doing things at a major league level and all of that. I just think that the futures game, for instance, is a perfect example of where the MLB could make it way more fun, way more exciting, uh, and and promote the stars of the future. I think the reason maybe they don't is because even some of the guys at the futures game don't make it at a major league level, right? I mean, sure. I mean, well, JB Bukowskis, we talked about, he played in the futures game. And he's made it up to the major leagues as of this season, but then almost immediately got injured. Yeah. Um, so did everyone else on the team, though. Corbin Martin might have played in the Futures game. I think he did. Yeah, um, that would make sense. So I he mean, had a lot of he had a lot of attention around him. So as a young there's guys that play in the game and then don't turn out, but that's also a game where you know it's like the what do they call it in the NBA, the Rising Stars game. Like these guys are gonna be NBA All Stars at some point, and in the Futures game, that's how they look upon those guys. Most of them are going to end up being something. Really, right now, I was looking at the roster for the Futures game. There's really only like five, six guys on there that I'm like, that guy's going to be a stud. Adley Rutschman, former number one overall pick catcher in the uh, Orioles system. He's going to be in that game. He's going to be a stud. Matthew Libertor, Cardinals pitcher. Uh, C.J. Abrams, shortstop for the Padres. By the way, not like they need a shortstop. Uh, I think he could be awesome. <laughs> Nolan Gorman for the Cardinals. So the, there's there's some interesting names. The rich just get richer. Don't I they? know it's ridiculous. I don't I don't like it particularly, but yeah. I want. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I wanted to give a shout out to a bright spot on the major league roster, and and I think that is still Caleb Smith. I think his yeah. trade from the Marlins mm-hmm. is still looking pretty good for for what he's been able to offer this team. I, I don't know where he fits in in the future at all, but I think that he is somebody that. When I talk about LeCastro and the intangible that he kind of brings as just a gamer, you know, I, I think Caleb Smith is that same thing for them as a pitcher, and I don't think they have hardly any of those. I think Caleb Smith would just he's just constantly trying to prove that he's he he deserves, you know, a bigger role and he he wants it. He takes on that, you know, he takes on that responsibility. He had to do that though. Because well, he got ejected from the starting rotation after one game at the beginning of the season, and all of a sudden he's relegated to the bullpen. And from what we heard from Tori Lovello, he was in Tori's ear the whole season. Go, hey, wh- I'm ready. When, he, when, are he, we, when are we doing this? He was in our ear as the media telling us just straight up. Yeah. I mean, he he chose his words very wisely, but he was very direct about how he felt and that he wanted to be part of the starting rotation. And he took advantage of an opportunity. Yeah. I, I I think he's been outstanding. Even though the numbers might not reflect it, he still has a 3.08 ERA, which I'm sure is probably one of the lowest for starting pitchers on this team this season. Yikes. Um, going back to our breaking news today of Tim LaCastro getting traded to the Yankees, who is likely next? Who's gone next? Because like you mentioned at the beginning, we're less than a month away from the trade deadline here in Major League Baseball. The Diamondbacks are going to have to start making these decisions um, last year, it felt like they made them all on the same day. I, I don't remember exactly when most of those trades happened, but it felt like they just at some point were like, all right, let's just pull the trigger now. And they made four deals relatively quickly. Who goes next? There's been rumors about Eduardo Escobar going to the White Sox for like, you know, a month now. 
And then it was heating up that maybe it was a different team. It was a surprise team. And then, nope, we find out it's it's definitely the White Sox are interested in Eduardo Escobar. Is he is he next? Probably. I can't imagine having this much attention around him. Uh, he seems prepared to go. He sent out a tweet that a lot of us took as him giving his final farewell to the organization before we were going to wake up the next morning and hear yeah. news that he had been traded. It didn't happen the next morning. I have heard that the Diamondbacks are asking for way too much in return for Eduardo Escobar, to which I say, good, good. Ask for too much in every scenario. Yeah. Ask for entirely too much. That's the way you negotiate. And then when they come back with something small, then you say, no, I'm not interested because I know other teams are. And give them some time to think about it and then come back and give you what you wanted in the first place because they think you actually will go somewhere else and trade them. Escobar is a very hot commodity. I, the, the White Sox made his name trend, the fan base, because of uh, <laughs> a bunch of funny scenarios they were throwing out there about him being the savior of the organization when he was going to come in. Uh, it just it started to become a, a meme thing where they were like, you know, what like weird thing. To... Somebody, somebody got pulled out of the game. Eduardo Escobar yeah. must be coming in the game. Like that's the kind of jokes they were making about, you know, during a White Sox game. I think that the joke is that the rumors are so out of control and are so basically stating 100% for as a fact that he is going to the White Sox that that the Chicago fans are just waiting for it to happen and it's taken so long that it's become a joke. He had a 4 for night 4 for 5 night a couple days ago and Bob Nightingale of USA Today tweeted something to the effect of uh, Eduardo Escobar went 4 for 5 tonight on his way out the door to yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And I was like that's a weird way to report that story. <laughs> Let's bury the lead why don't we? <laughs> Like he he literally tweeted Eduardo Escobar did well tonight in his final per- yeah. basically saying uh, in his final performance in his before fi- getting yep. traded. He's trying to show his new team how valuable he can be thus by going 4 for 5. And he still hasn't been traded. I mean, I'm I fully believe that they're trying to work out the details in that deal and I you know, I I tend to think that they're going to get something done eventually. That was the that was the big win against San Diego. Yeah. Is what that was. That the ended, big win. The big win. The only ended, win. <laughs> the only win. Yeah. There were only 3 of them in the month of June, <sighs> so take your pick. Uh, throw a dart at the dartboard, it's probably a loss. But, um, yeah, I did hear one name that was thrown out. I think it was John Heyman uh, sent on a radio station in Chicago that uh, the Diamondbacks were asking about Zach Collins, which is interesting because I think Zach Collins is a catcher prospect. And that has interesting ramifications on how they view the roster. I mean, you have Carson Kelly, who is... I don't want to say one of the best catchers in baseball because that's certainly not the case, but one of the better ones. He's capable and he's, and he's younger. younger. Yeah, and you traded your best player in franchise history for him, so you better not get rid of him yet. By the way, I hate but then to you correct. also have Dalton Varsho, who's yeah. a catcher prospect. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that they are uh, going for building for the future still. Of course, and I mean, you know, what I mean, like you, you don't have right now. You you know Carson Kelly was good in a small sample size, but when you look right. over the whole season since returning from the injury, uh, he wasn't doing well, and then he broke his wrist, you know, getting hit by a pitch. I think that as an organization, you got to keep building, you got to keep going. There's no position they the should future. feel good about and be like, no, nah, we're good. Right. right. Yeah, I totally agree with so you. I, I just thought it was interesting that that was the name they were going after with Eduardo Escobar. By the way, I hate to correct you, but they only had two wins. Did you say three? I thought it was three. I oversold it. June 1st and June 26th. 
It was only two this month. I mean, I looked for the. Th- it's like Waldo. I'm trying to relax my eyes Are you and sure? really see him. Yeah, no, I'm looking Are at their sure? game logs for the month. My goodness, I'm looking at their game logs for the month, and yeah, I'm I'm only seeing. That's so atrocious. Well, you know what? Actually, I take that back because I'm realizing I'm looking at Eduardo Escobar's numbers. So, oh, did he not play enough? He didn't. He was in out for he he was out for a couple of games. I know that, so he probably wasn't in one of those wins. Ugh. God. Now I just want to know if I'm right. I don't. Does it matter? I don't know how to find out. Does it matter? Do you think they care? Yeah. Nobody cares. I care. Nobody cares. I care that I'm right. I don't know. It's not good either way. It's two or three wins in a month. That's one every 10 days. I just did that math in my head. Maybe it's Escobar. Maybe he's gone next. I That would make the most sense. We've talked about David Peralta. There's been rumors around him. Plenty of teams that need corner outfielders who are capable of hitting for average. Um... I still think, I, I don't know, call me crazy, I still think Nick Ahmed could be a piece that gets moved. I just think there was this weird, there was a moment, a defining moment last season when Nick Ahmed was so mad at the organization for trading away Starling Marte, Archie Bradley, basically throwing in the towel, right? And ever since then, I've just felt some sort of way about about Ahmed. And I like him as a guy, and I think he's a good clubhouse dude, but he's been really bad defensively, and that's what he's good at. Like, that's what he does. That's that's what you can count on him 100% for. But now you can't. Yeah. And so, like, I, I don't know. It'd, it'd be selling low, probably, on Nick Ahmed, which isn't great. But, like, you have Geraldo Perdomo, who came up and then you barely played him. So he didn't get much opportunity. And I'm not saying he's fully ready to be a starter in the MLB, but uh, at least you got somebody who can play the position. I don't know about anywhere in the outfield. You trade an outfielder, who plays in the outfield? You going to bring up Stuart Fairchild? Is he ready? Uh, <laughs> your hesitation I, tells me no. I, I mean, he's probably been up, not. He's been up before this season, and the Reno Aces have started calling him Manchild, which I really like. Okay, so based on those two <laughs> qualifications, I'll say that call, you're like, call. yeah, he has a good nickname. He's yeah, qualified. Yeah, get yeah, him up here for sure. Yeah, like Varsho bunted against the shift that one time. That allows <laughs> me to permanently keep him on the main roster. Do you have a nickname for him yet? Uh no, no. All no. right, we'll think on it. Yeah, we gotta think. It's gotta be something with Dalton. Varsho's too hard to like rhyme. Yeah, he needs, he needs like a garbage pail kid's name, something. Well, know. the dismantling of the team has already begun, as we mentioned today. The trade of Tim LaCastro going to the New York Yankees, and the Diamondbacks getting a 25 year old relief pitcher who is in Double A in return. I don't like the way you say his not amazing age. I don't. I feel you make me the way feel, I say his yeah, age. Yeah, you have like. How a, am I supposed to say it? There's a disdain in 25. your voice. Twenty five. Yeah, that's. I mean, leave it out. I okay. don't know. All right. I, don't, um, I felt it was relevant. When you're 25 and you're in double A, you're making me feel really old great. and bad about myself. So let's just wrap it up. I'm 29 and not in double yeah, A. Yeah, see, that's so why. it's that's, uh, no. I'm how old am I? 28. You don't even know. How, <laughs> I have no idea. God, that's no idea. See, young people don't know how. I don't old celebrate they are. my birthday. I know how old I am every single day. You know what's one of my pet peeves is when uh, I don't like people to know about my birthday. Like, do you know when my birthday is? No, you <laughs> no. have no clue because I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Not unless Facebook tells me. I don't exactly. Know. And then I love when like you don't tell them and then they see it on Facebook and they come to you like, why didn't you tell me it was your birthday? And I'm like, because I didn't want you to know because I didn't want you to make it a big deal. I wasn't going to celebrate with you anyway. Right. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. It just means I went around the sun one more time. Exactly. So why are you bringing it up? Uh, we'll keep an eye on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not for like wins and losses. That's already a, no, that's a lost no, cause at this point. We don't do that here. <laughs> no, we're just looking forward to seeing who gets traded at this point because 
that ship has sailed, and uh, apparently it's already started. The uh, shop is open for business, so to speak. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. It's Derek Montia as well. Hopefully next week we get Bear back in the other chair. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. <laughs>